Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A most blessed Reformation Day to you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Our text for today's message is taken out of our gospel reading from the 8th chapter of St. John with an emphasis on these words. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. An excerpt from a papal indulgence issued in 1515 under the authority of Archbishop Albert of Mines reads as follows. Albert, by the grace of God and of the Apostolic See, Archbishop of Mons and Magdeburg, Administrator of the churches in Halberstadt, Primate of Germany, etc., etc., greetings in the Lord to those dear to us in Christ. You have agreed to undertake an act of sincere and fervent devotion for the church in Rome. You have given to the building of the Basilica of St. Peter, an immense undertaking requiring skillful production. Your contribution will not only benefit that city, but it also shows that you are obedient to our commands. Since you have given generously to our cause, you encourage and persuade us to agree to fulfill your requests. You have long and fervently asked us that you might have an altar stone on which Mass can be said. You have been looking for an altar where Mass can be said without the meddling of foreign laws. We hereby grant your request. If you should happen to enter into regions placed under ecclesiastical interdict by the authority of an ordinary bishop, nonetheless, you will not find yourself standing outside the doors of the church, excommunicated as it were. Instead, by the granting of this indulgence, as long as you live, you will be able to celebrate the Mass all by yourself if you are a priest, or if you are a lay person, you may have Mass celebrated for you. You may also get as many indulgences or pardons for sin by visiting a church of your choice as if you had made a pilgrimage to Rome. Simply visit the church or churches of your choice on a day in Lent or another holiday when pilgrims visit the various churches around Rome, and by taking a trip to a local church or churches, you will obtain as many indulgences and forgivenesses of sin as if you had visited the churches of Rome on that same day. You can also be given a full Christian burial, even if you happen to die when your country is under, under an interdict. We issue this decree by the apostolic authority given us by the letter we grant indulgence, written by our most holy Lord, Leo X, Pope, by the grace of God. And we hereby order that the individual be communed into whose trust this present letter has been given and this seal thus affixed. Dear friends, it is no small wonder that Luther would later write in the small called articles concerning the practice and sale of such indulgences. <clears throat> By indulgences, that miserable Judas, Pope Leo X, has sold Christ's merit along with the extra merits of the saints, nay, the entire church, and such things, 
All these things are unbearable. They are not only without God's word, not only are unnecessary, are not commanded, but they are against the very chief article of the Christian faith. For Christ's merit is obtained not by our works or pennies, but from grace through faith, without money or merit. It is offered not through the Pope's power, but through the preaching of God's word. Indeed, even a cursory examination of such documents as the one I just read for you today lay bare the wretched and scandalous decree to which the church in Rome in the days of the Reformer presumed upon themselves the very authority of Almighty God, even to the extent that they would, for a price, barter those things such as the divine service, the sacrament of the altar, even a decent Christian burial. Now, friends, if the mere notion of this kind of flippant profiteering on God's gifts of grace to the church do not incense you to the same indignation that so consumed the reformer, then I suggest this morning that you take time to ponder those things which you presently take for granted in the Lutheran church and give thanks accordingly. For you see, abuses of ecclesial authority in both doctrine and practice were nothing new in the days of Luther. And I tell you, even if you are not blessed to see them, if you are blessed not to see them, those things still persist in the church this day. For mortal man is ever and always compelled in his sinful and fallen nature to supplant the command of Almighty God to go out and to preach the gospel with, as St. Paul writes in his epistle to the Galatians, a contrary gospel of his own imagining. Consequently, many such false displays of piety and zeal still linger in our practice which are easily mistaken for the gospel of Christ, but which I tell you are really no gospel at all. Man in his hubris would deign to put words in God's mouth which God did not speak, and so lead his brothers and sisters headlong into their very damnation, all the while proclaiming any number of false Christ without any power or authority to save. And I tell you, furthermore, even in our own Missouri Synod, we are not immune to the whisperings of promising voices championing those sweet nothings of church growth, of prosperity theology, of syncretism, and even as in Luther's day, still salvation based on works. These are, I tell you, all of them, nothing but wolves in sheep's clothing. Like the reliquaries and the indulgences and the treasuries of merit which preceded them, they all appeal to the ego of man to try to convince him to take the reins of his salvation away from Christ and so fashion a righteousness all his own. 
It's as if man were to throw himself before the judgment seat of Almighty God and boldly, nay, stupidly, cry out, See all that my works have accomplished, O Lord. See my rituals and charity. See my tithes and my offerings. See all these good things that I have laid before you and let them, not Christ, make atonement for me. To which... Jesus responds and gives answer from the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Here he says, You know neither me nor my Father. And unless you believe that I am He, that is, He who died and rose again for you, you will die in your sins. And finally, to the faithful, he says in this morning's reading, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In our epistle from Romans 3, St. Paul, this morning, as you heard read, elaborates further on this Christian freedom. Hear him again as he says, For by works of the law... No human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets still bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned, And all have fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified by His grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Now this was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at this present time so that he might be just and the justifier of one of the one who has faith in Jesus that is you dear brothers and sisters in Christ baptized into his name this same Jesus he is your righteousness and your salvation he is just and justifier to you thus in this confession we see that man cannot and does not save himself. Nor, for that matter, can any power of this world impose upon Christ to offer salvation for him, but only the meritorious sacrifice of Christ crucified himself. This is manifested to the church throughout the ages by none other than the truth of his word spoken in the Holy Scriptures. Now, for the reformer, for Martin Luther, this singular truth galvanized him to action for the sake of a church which was lost in error's maze, so that he famously nailed his 95 theses, disputing the efficacy of indulgences to the doors of the castle church in Wittenberg 504 years ago now, in 1517. But little did he know that this simple act of what he thought was going to be course correction, an academic debate that they could all just move on from. No, this act 
would have far-reaching repercussions. It would impact his very career, his safety, his life. Mind you also the life of the church, which as a result of these things would schism and schism again, as theologians would come to debate and dismiss the various abuses of the Roman see. All the while, mind you, adding on their own errors and falsehoods. But for Luther, and for that church movement which grew out of his reforms, the singular truth of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins would and does continue to abide. It is that singular truth which you here proclaimed to you this morning. Through our sermon, through the reading of the words, through the faithful distribution of the sacraments, through the choir and the hymnody and the liturgy, these things all attest to you that Christ's forgiveness is good for you. But that truth, dear friends, that truth tells you that you are a people set free indeed. That truth tells you that you are no longer a slave to sin, that there is no work, no sacrifice, no indulgence which you could offer up that could add anything to that which was accomplished in totality for you on Calvary's cross. You are called righteous by Him who loved you and who gave Himself up for you, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, on this great festival day, we rejoice that this same Jesus Christ has reformed his church on earth, and he reforms it again. He still calls faithful pastors, teachers, elders, and deacons, new disciples rooted in the truth of his word to make known his mercy to all still enslaved to their sin and still confounded by false doctrine. This festival of the Reformation is more than a mere celebration of our own personal denominational heritage. It is a bold proclamation that the church today stands upon that same solid foundation which carried her through ages past. The same solid rock and truth of our confession which imparts forgiveness, life, and salvation to all who believe. This church stands secure in the mighty fortress of Almighty God, by whom we have been set free and in whom we now have the promise of life everlasting in His kingdom. Therefore, I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, having now been so delivered, actually live in the light of that abiding truth, which first revealed to you the grace of God shown in His only begotten Son. Into this truth, You were baptized, and so give thanks that you have been made part of so blessed an inheritance that others may hear the gospel proclaimed from your lips and so themselves find that same truth which first did set you free. Live according to the truth which abides in you. We pray. O God, our fortress, We give thanks to you this day for your servant Martin and for reformers, pastors, and teachers 
who continue in this present age to proclaim the truth of your holy word. Grant that your church be kept free from all error, that we may not fall into the snare of the tempter, nor succumb to our own misguided impulses, but that in all ways we may ever stand firm upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, in whom alone we have forgiveness and freedom from our sins. Abide with us still, and bring us by your Spirit to abide in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.